Hey y'all, before we jump into today's episode, we would like to invite you to a special event we're hosting on May 30th called Women in Whiskey. Join us for an adult field trip filled with Southern fun at the Jack Daniels Distillery right here in our home state of Tennessee. Get ready to learn while sipping. We will be taking a private tour of the distillery, enjoy a barbecue lunch on the beautiful hillside, and partake in early happy hour with cocktails provided by Jack Daniels as we listen in on a conversation with women who work in the industry. The conversation will be led by yours truly, your hosts of the Steel Magnolias podcast. Learn more about the event at steelmagnoliaspodcast.com. You can grab your tickets there and we cannot wait to see you on May 30th. And now on with the show. John Grisham is an expert storyteller whose unforgettable characters fight for justice in a world that isn't always fair. As one of the top 10 wealthiest writers in the world, he is a Southerner who also has a passion for seeking justice and freedom for innocents who have been imprisoned. Join us at the table as we discuss the thrill of John Grisham. Welcome to the Steel Magnolias podcast. We are two sisters here to have uplifting conversations about life in the South. The South is full of beautiful diversity in landscape, people groups, and culture. And we want to showcase each part. We've got plenty of room at our table, so pull up your chair. Welcome back to our uplifting conversations table. I am your co-host, Laura Beth. And I'm Lainey. And we sisters are excited to have a chat today about John Grisham. You heard in the intro some of the accolades he's received, and we have lots more of those to mention. But before we get started, the saga of Gautier, 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 Oh my goodness, continues. the saga continues. You know how last week I said, somebody lives there. Like, that's why this is important. And you said Gautier. So I've, I've, initially I said Gautier. Yes. I was told that's incorrect. Then I got messages from y'all that said Gautier. Apparently, is that wrong too? And then I got a message that it's actually Gautier. Goche. Oh. Do you hear the difference? I do. And actually, that's almost getting closer to my original TA. That's funny. But here's why I believe that this particular message was incredibly a good source. It's named after her great-great-grandfather. Okay. Goche. Hello. We gotcha. So you just never know who's listening to the this Steel Magnolias podcast. My goodness. It has been... A descendant. So hilarious. Of the Goche family. To hear all the connections. One of our listeners that lives over in Austin that you and I have messaged with before, her son, 50 years ago, had a first grade teacher named Mrs. Gauthier. Okay. Relative of our other listener. I mean, it's just like there's a Isn't web. that so fun? Again, why we need to gather. We need because to gather. Because we need to meet all these people and get y'all together. I know. Y'all might have so many things in common beyond just love of Southern culture. You might be related or share teachers or who knows and all full of stories because we're you know good storytellers well today's episode might be as close to a true crime podcast as we'll ever get oh my gosh (laughs) man crime sells doesn't it like this is going to be proof you know all the top podcasts practically are 
true crime. And yeah. then all the top shows, or it seems like it, yeah. are true crime. What is it? I guess people's, it makes you feel a little bit better about yourself. I don't know well, what, what it is about crime. But. I mean, I, I was actually going to save this comment for later, but trials, even when you have no ties to any person, place, or yes. event involved, they are absolutely suspenseful. Well, it's like I got you, caught up. I'm not even going to mention which one, but recovering from a surgery, I got all caught up into because I had a lot of time to read mm-hmm. a trial that hasn't happened yet. The person still hasn't gone to trial. I'm like, when are we going to get this going? Because I have theories and oh I think I know what happened. Well, that's that's part of it is you get invested yes. and you've got your own figuring it out investigation hat that you like to wear and yeah that's why you can't even watch two minutes of a dateline or 2020 because the storytelling gets you so you're hooked sucked in now you're yeah and yeah i believe that's john grisham has built his catalog of novels around such subject matters and we are excited because he has every place of experience to write them in such a so good, that's what's so fascinating good way, about being, this to me, right? He yeah. didn't seek out to be no. a writer. No. He's, he seeked out to be an attorney. Yeah. he He's quoted as saying, I seriously doubt I would have ever written the first story had I not been a lawyer. I never dreamed of being a writer. A writer. I wrote only after witnessing a trial. Wow. Yeah. So, And I think that's continued. He's yeah. Con- he's consumed with stories of injustice and yes. all of that and so you're gonna continually be thinking through storylines yes yeah. now yeah. that he's had such success well I loved an article I saw from Time magazine recently it says at 68 he may no longer be publishing publishing's fresh young hotshot his <laughs> books sell a fraction of the copies that they used to and it's been 19 years since he had a feature film made yet every fall like clockwork Grisham publishes a new legal thriller, and every fall it shoots to the top of the bestseller list. Since breaking out with the firm in 1991, so that's not his first novel, we'll get to that, but yeah. meaning this is when he broke loose the on the, yeah. yeah. Grisham has released 48 consecutive New York Times number one bestsellers, a feat no other writer has matched. That's crazy. Amazing. Wow. I yeah, I don't know how you still have words in you, but like we said, he's com- he's, he's immersed in he's law. writing what he's seeing. He's, ta- he's friends and, with lawyers, yeah. and yeah, so he's hearing their stories. And, and you really can't make this stuff up. Like trials right? are interest. People are interesting, weird creatures. <laughs> they really, really are. <laughs> We're all in it. So, yeah, you mentioned, sorry, go ahead. What well, were you say? I just, I'm, I'm amazed with some of these statistics. So his books have sold literally hundreds of millions of copies worldwide. Along with Tom Clancy and J.K. Rowling, Grisham is one of only three authors to have sold two million copies of the first printing. My goodness. Whoa. So, yeah. He's, wow. He's had such success. Yeah. And... You know, so that quote from Time Magazine, he may be selling a fraction of the copies he used to, but they're still (laughs) ending up on the number one bestseller list. So, so yeah, so you might sound it might sound like, oh, so he's not, you know, no, he's still hitting it, still hitting it. Yeah. And cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I 
I couldn't even believe when I looked through the titles of his works, how big of blockbuster films so many of these were. But let's start like you referenced a minute ago with The Firm was his breakout, but it was not his first. That's right. So his first novel was A Time to Kill. It was published in June of 1989, four years after he began writing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. It. Yeah. Because he practiced law from, well, he, yeah, he was admitted to the Mississippi Bar in 1981. Okay, sorry, Well, he, well let's go, let's back up. So he did graduate from Mississippi State. Yes. We didn't even talk about, he was born, you want to go into all of that? Yeah, let's do. Okay, so he was born in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Yes. His dad was John Ray Grisham, so he's a junior, and his mom, Wanda, his father was a construction worker and a cotton farmer. I mean, just very humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was four years old, apparently his parents settled in a suburb of Memphis. So it's South Mississippi. Yeah. 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 Mississippi, but yeah, suburb of Memphis. Yeah. And he later went to Mississippi State University and then a doctorate from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Okay. He's been very good to Mississippi. Yes. We can talk about that. Yes. And to his roots, I would say. He's Mm -hmm. still been really good to his roots. But he practiced criminal law for a decade and then served in the Mississippi House of Representatives from 1983 to 1990. Okay. Which I'm sure that brought a lot of D.C. stories. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Can you imagine? Yes. So, yeah, it's just fascinating that it's been a lot of natural... um, progression of being in law yeah and even a couple of different sides of that that would give him all this great material mm-hmm. yeah so it was the a, tri- a trial he had observed in 1984 like you said it took him three years to write the novel a time to kill and that definitely deals with a lo- the subject matter of a lot of his works and that is the legal and social repercussions, moral repercussions, when a Mississippi black man is tried for the murder of two white men who raped his 10-year-old daughter. And I've heard, I've heard him in an interview say, um, you know, it's really hard to break out of, we're all racist in some form or fashion, mm-hmm. and breaking out of the stereotypes we make and that kind of thing. Yeah. But he had put himself in that person's story and Mm -hmm. like if it was my daughter I would probably have taken yes maybe matters in mind yes so yeah yeah made for a great book yeah and then but what's interesting is that it was rejected 30 times by agents (laughs) and by 15 publishers yeah so So it wasn't self-published he did get it finally get a publisher yeah but definitely has a story of rejection and a hard road to get started because I was I'm sure he was thinking why am I not doing law right now like this publishing oh my gosh can you imagine this is yes and then I also in a different interview I heard him say he ordered a thousand copies of the (laughs) no of the book (laughs) and bookstores didn't know him he had no accolades whatsoever so nobody really even he was trying to like with these thousand books, book some events. Yeah. So he could sell, sell them. them. Yeah. Cause bookstores weren't carrying them, I'm sure. And yeah. And none of them really wanted to. <laughs> oh, gosh. Other than five. 
bookstores, which he has stayed loyal to. Wow. In Mississippi, Arkansas, and Memphis. Wow. One of them being Square Books in Oxford, where we've been. Mm -hmm. And that's where he still has a lot of... um, He does signings regularly there. Yeah. In each of those five stores, he signs 2,000 copies a year. Oh, wow. And sends them to them. Wow. Which I love that. That's cool. That he's stayed faithful to the five that believed in him. Hey, those early supporters, people that championed you before everyone else came on board. You remember. Those are some gold star people. Yeah. You remember them. Well, I just loved that he, his next idea was, okay, if bookstores won't do events, maybe I could get some libraries. Yeah. To host me to do events. Surely libraries need content and stuff right he it took him 35 libraries to get rid of his thousand books every self-published author or author to be listening to this is like okay so this is real this is really how you have to grind and hustle and keep in mind this is even somebody who would have been known as a state representative i mean true (laughs) this isn't just joe schmo that's true right he's elected wow official and attorney (laughs) and he's peddling books at the library well it took him like i said 35 library events to get rid of those thousand books and now, and those are obviously first edition. True. Now, a first edition of A Time to Kill goes for about $4,000. Really? How interesting. Isn't wow. that wild? Wow. So, there you go. Wow. But. Humble beginnings, This was for pre-writing sure. the firm. Yes, so yes. Who knew what was coming? <laughs> yeah. Other than God. Yeah. God knew. <laughs> I love one of the things I heard him say was he and his wife refer to things in their life as BF or AF. I bet. Before the firm. Before the firm or after the firm. Yeah. Life-changing for sure. Totally life-changing. So you got sucked into the firm big time. 100% sucked in. Like I had never been sucked in in a book I was reading by choice. Do you know how, I mean, do you ever remember at the time, like, was it just Everybody was talking well, about this book. Well, it was the hot book. book. It was 91, I believe. Is and that right? And it's set in Memphis. So maybe as Tennesseans, maybe we it's were hearing Memphis. about it a lot. He's from Kentucky. Went to Western Kentucky. Mitch McDear went to Western the Kentucky. The character. Yeah, not John the Grisham. Character. Yeah. Went yeah. to Western Kentucky. Um, yeah, where you went to Memphis. college. Yes. It talks about the panhandle some, if I remember correctly. Okay. And like things I knew. Yeah. Places I knew. I knew the Peabody. Yeah. Yeah. Hotel in Memphis. So it was just very unique for me to have this, um, all these places that I knew. Yeah. And then for it to be just, I was just hooked. Mm-hmm. I couldn't put it down. So Literally. suspenseful. And so, yeah, yeah. I just... I mean, we actually had the paperback and uh huh. we had, it was so thick. What a commitment, you know? I mean, I know there's a lot of really thick books out now, but I just feel like that was a big tackle for you yeah. at that time. But I mean, do you my remember? choice, because I read yes. thick books for school, True. but <laughs> by choice, I was reading this, right? No, you were so hooked. We were on that one camping trip. Down and I was reading by flashlight. In the in tent. Gulf Shores. Yeah. And yeah, the story goes, we've shared it on here before, but yeah, we were three of us in a tent mom Lainey and I and here's Lainey reading by flashlight and I'm pretty sure it was only because there was a flashlight 
that we got so freaked out when we heard a little stirring. More than a little. And then like, a we thought, shadow. Was it a bear? Like, what's happening out there? Screamed, ran to the car, because we were car car camping, I yeah. guess is what you would call it. Like, the car was yeah. very We weren't in nearby. an Airstream, y'all. <laughs> no, we were in a tent, but the car was right there. And then there went that little armadillo. Armadillo. My gosh. Well, the firm. Yeah, that's what I was reading. Well, yeah, and... It is. It's like, I'm sorry, I haven't read it. So I'm like squeezing in my intensity of remembering it just from the film. Uh huh. I well, mean, he hit the, I mean, they hit the jackpot with Tom Cruise playing Mitch McDear. Yes. Because he's so good looking. Yes. And, you know, just, yeah, he that was, was perfect. The perfect time to have Tom Cruise in your movie, too. And I would say, and he would say, I'm sure, John Grisham would say, he's had great screenwriters and great actors getting getting involved in these projects. Yeah. Because, wow. So can we talk about some of the books that have also been filmed? Sure. Because a lot of these. I don't know that I have all of those well, listed I, out, but I, I do. know some of them. So, okay. The Firm, A Time to Kill, Matthew McConaughey. Perfect Hello. for that role. The Pelican Brief. Julia Roberts. Perfect. The Client. Susan Sarandon. Susan perfect. Um, now, these next three I actually haven't seen. The Chamber, Run- Runaway Jury, and The Rainmaker. But they also have really big casts. The Rainmaker, I'm surprised I didn't see because it was Matt Damon and Claire Danes. I love oh, Claire Danes. Oh, yeah. And Danny DeVito. That one is about a, Matt Damon is a young lawyer. Um, very freshly just past the bar and he ends up getting paired up with Danny DeVito and is taking down an insurance company that is denying claims for a year at a time in hopes that each customer just gives up so like they, the this which that stuff's real too <laughs> so all I, the things they require for <laughs> these people to have hoops to jump through I was reading through this and I was like Wow, sounds like we've just found ourselves a timeless film. Right? Because that's something's like never changed. Yesterday's phone calls, or yeah. So, yeah, it was interesting to look through the cast because I was thinking the same thing of man, whoever the casting agent was had some connects, or maybe one massive box office hit was just rolling into the next. I don't know, but. Well, there are he, some really good casts. He has always, you know, with each book, Not, I don't think he's writing the book for a movie, but mm-hmm. he has in mind, mm-hmm. will this become a movie? Yeah. And every time, it's my understanding, different, I don't know how that world works, Laura Beth, you more than you probably do, but these different movie houses or whatever yeah, yeah. will buy the rights yeah. and then sometimes give it back, you know, like. Give it back to him. Okay. Like they're not going to do it. Okay. Every book he's wow. had that happen. Where wow. different ones will want the rights and then they haven't done it. Yeah. And Interesting. so he's just, you know, still holding out hope that that could happen again. Yeah. And I have to say, I wonder if I, so Larbeth gifted me The Exchange. Yeah. Which is his newest book that he has out. Of course, he's already knows the next two. Now, the reason I did this was because, like we just said, I have fond memories of you reading The Firm and how impactful it was when you were reading it. And this is the sequel to The Firm. That's right. So in full disclosure, um, I probably read 
two or three of his books early on. And then I kind of was out. Yeah. Nothing against his writing or any of that. I just had moved on to other interests. And legal thrillers are not my thing. Yeah. Personally. Did you know the firm's storyline before you started reading it? Because I know you said it was fun to come up on all these places that were familiar. I knew it was a legal thriller. Like, I knew it was a legal thriller. Okay. And that the main character went to Western. Okay. I think that's all I knew. Okay. Cool. Um, Maybe that's probably what made me like, oh, and I had the paperback. Like, yeah. I didn't have the nice hardback. Yes. yes. Because I was, you know, 21. So I wouldn't have well, probably even had the money to buy a big heavy Or book. it came out in paperback first. Maybe. And they might have been testing to see how, how it, it did. did. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, so... The exchange is, I mean, we're this many books in, and he's just now gone back to Mitch McNear. Right. And which he's I had was over crazy. the years a lot of people. When are you bringing Mitch back? When are you bringing Mitch back? I bet. And he didn't have in mind that he would. Okay. So I guess I'll just say, you know, at the end of his book is different than the end of the movie. Okay. But he and Mitch McNear and his wife have to flee the mob. Yeah. So. It's a very dramatic and scary Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. getaway. Yes. And so they have some money, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, but they are risking, you know, they've got to get out Mm -hmm. because people will be looking for them. So that just left you hanging. Yeah. So this book picks up with where they've been. Okay. But I thought this was fascinating. So in in this book, so it's been how many years? Holly, uh, 40? No, 30. 30. 30 years. Yeah, a little over 30. If This is not him. 30 years later. 30 years later. And this is what I think is funny. This is Lainey's take. He. So he's still young. Is. I think it's 15 years later. Okay. But I literally heard John Grisham say in an interview when he saw Maverick. Okay. He's like, Tom Cruise still looks so good. Wow. He does not look his age. I can write the book. <gasps> like, I can make him, the, you know, an age that he could pass for. That so is I think he is hoping so... this one's going to get a movie and Tom Cruise will do it again. But I don't know. Hey, it worked the first time, maybe. Because Tom Cruise looks 40. He Am does. I, cr- I mean, especially he with. Yes, he does. His He's... build. Yeah. He's More aged, than his face. He's aged very well, he's yes. He's doing something right. Okay, so I just, um, I, th- I find it fascinating. I'm going to tell my thoughts so far on the exchange. I am okay. more than halfway through. Okay. But this is completely different. How? Mitch is completely different. So he oh. had to flee the country. Okay. okay. And he is a New York hotshot lawyer for a big worldwide firm so there's nothing really southern about mitch to me anymore oh nothing's set in the south he did a little teaser that was really just to appease i think us that were wanting mitch to be what mitch was where he does a quick little thing in memphis but nothing else like that was just the literal beginning of the book wow it this takes place in new york um italy oh my gosh okay and libya okay so and I believe he was inspired got... again by a true story of a lawyer he oh knows who's dealing okay. with some, a case similar. He's like, I've got Maverick and Mission Impossible <laughs> in my head. Exactly. Yeah. So 
I'm a little disappointed in that okay. we're not in the South. Yeah. We're not. Not that I only read books in the South, y'all. But Mitch but McDear was, is Southern. Yeah, and I wanted him to it. be. Yeah. You know. So. That's um, so interesting. Has, I mean, that would be like, I'm trying to find, or in my mind, get an example. You know, Fanny Flagg did her sequel to Fried Green Tomatoes about right. 30 years yep. after that book and film was such a big deal. And she did stay. Right. If they had opened a restaurant in New York, yeah. a pizzeria, are you enticed? Yeah. No, it's completely different. It is different. Nothing yeah. wrong with a pizzeria in right. New York. In Especially fact, it sounds if- pretty dang good. But... <laughs> Yeah, it's just not what you fell in love with the right, first time. Right. So that makes sense. So if Atticus Finch is now in Libya, he <laughs> yeah. is still Atticus Finch, but I yeah. don't know. Yeah. It's just not what I kind of had hoped. So yeah. um, I'll be interested to see how it concludes, but um, it's it's been different than I thought. Yeah. Because I thought if we were going to revisit, it would be more of a revisiting of... You right. know, now he's got kids and okay, it's just different. Mm-hmm. But in general, most avid readers always say the movie is not nearly as good, you know, as the book. So I think it's interesting that Grisham even has sort of a slant or an interest or even an angle that he is open to that because I feel like that contradicts a lot of what you feel like an author yeah, would have. I, I don't know what you a know? lot of other readers say. They may think he's a total sellout. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. But they he's, do make for great films, too. So. And great royalties. Yeah. <laughs> so he does not practice law anymore. He actually Has stopped for in 1990 is what I read. Okay. That was after this writing thing's been working out pretty well. well. Yeah, I was going to say after having the success of the firm, he just began writing full time. So, you know, he's still got the experience. But you mentioned kind of early on in the intro what an avid uh, or an advocate, I guess. Yes. For justice that he is. I read that he is actually on the board of directors for the Innocence Project. Yes. Which campaigns for freedom and exoneration of unjustly convicted people on the basis of dna evidence so he's Which on that board and, since whew, yeah that's since all he's been writing right correct so that's still exciting to see him championing causes like that yeah putting his time into that well i love that he married renee jones on may 8th of 1981 and they've remained married that's you know, exciting. Sometimes success does things. That's true. To send people in other directions. But they have two children, a daughter named Shay and a son named Ty. And I looked them up and Ty looks just like him and is a lawyer. I'm oh like, how gosh. cute is that? Wow. I don't know if. Good looking dudes then. Yeah. Yeah. Really good looking guys. Um the Renee and, and John split, split their time. They have a home in Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay. Which is where their son practices law. Okay. They have a home in Destin and a condominium in Chapel Hill, oh, North wow. Carolina, which is where their daughter lives. Okay. So their former longtime home that is on a farm outside of Oxford, they donated to the University of Mississippi. So cool. And it's my understanding that was in 2011. That they donated that home. It's my understanding that home houses 
up and coming writers that are working for the university cool. or something like yeah. really cool. Yeah, like writing to think workshops about or something. Writing that's still happening cool. in the house, and that's very. I, cool. I love things like that. He remains a, a fan of Mississippi State University's baseball team. And I write that in here because I have heard great things about Mississippi State baseball. And really? I, I want to experience it. Oh. Yes. I met somebody um, in Florida mm-hmm. this past year that yeah. was like, you've got to do an episode on um, Mississippi State baseball and the left field lounge. So. Oh, well, okay. I, Apparently, he has written a book, an introduction for a book called Duty Noble Field. Okay. A celebration of MSU baseball. So it must be a big thing. We got to check this fun. out. That's fun. I've had on my radar the Savannah Bananas. Do you yes. know about them? That made me think of baseball. And when what you are said their that. cheerleaders called? They have a funny name too because they're old ladies. Oh my goodness. Is it the. I did not know that. Savannah Banana Nanas, I think, because they're old and they're adorable. How do we get off subject like this? But yes, I, I want to check out the Savannah Bananas too. Well, anyhow, um, John Grisham has definitely made an impact on our world, but yes, certainly on the South. Yes. And I love that he's still, you know, yes, he's, I'm sure, very um, in all the intelligent circles and wealthy circles of the northeast and all but he's spending most of his time in the south yeah i think that's pretty awesome which can't help but keep you a little rooted when you don't get geographically too far that's right so well we celebrate the works that he has brought forth and yeah he's just like you said been so steadfast year after year cranking those novels out yeah so Keep, keep at it, Mr. Grisham. Another movie will come if it's supposed to. That's right. All right. Well, that was our episode this week. We hope that you have a fantastic week. And peace be with y'all as you read whatever you read. You've just listened to an episode of the Steel Magnolias podcast, an independent show funded solely on support from listeners like you and a few advertisers from time to time. For reminders of what we just said and links to what we just mentioned, take a look at the description of this episode. They are right there. Are you enjoying the show? We hope you'll text a friend or loved one to tell them about this podcast. And make sure they know how to get to a podcast first. We invite you to join our mailing list to be the first to know about episodes, giveaways, and events. Sign up at steelmagnoliaspodcast.com.